Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show and I'm doing a really exciting radio show today. It's one that I've been wanting to do for a little while and the opportunity was absolutely perfect for this week. So this is an interview with my very good friend, Eric Castacio, who is the director of Narcissus the Movie and his movie has been absolutely exploding and I know that quite a lot of people in the community are aware of his movie and what's happening and there are lots that aren't. So we're going to do a show today about the movie and about other things that are related to narcissism and narcissistic abuse. So Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are welcome, Mel. Thanks for having me. It's so great to hear your voice. I know, we haven't talked for a little while and uh, Eric and I met in person in LA and we had the most wonderful time we, and we did a radio show together at uh, LA Talkback with Sheena Metal, which was just an amazing, an amazing experience. But Eric, so much has happened since then. So much I, has happened. I know, it's been, an, it's been an outstanding journey. I mean, I am just completely blown away by uh, the effect that this movie is having out there uh, on people that have been abused by narcissists. It's been such a gift to be able to tell the story and to have so many people that have gone through this relate and understand the project. And what's been really outstanding is a lot of people that have gone through NARP, uh, I've met a lot of them in my travels and just how, you know, what we've discussed about their journey and what they've gone through. And, you know, again, it's always the most similar thread of abuse, um, but to see them thriving and to see them, you know, where they are now and hearing their story and, and, and actually being able to meet these people face to face and have these wonderful conversations has been such a great part of this journey. Well, it is sort of a really small world, isn't it? Because, I mean, we're, we're connected through narcissistic abuse. And we met when you became a part of the forum group and and we started conversing and then we talked and then we got together and now, you know, I'm just such an incredible supporter and fan of what you're doing because I just love the fact that you turned your own personal experience into a, a mission and it's a mission that's creating a lot of stuff and you know, that was my path too and then you're affecting people that I'm affecting as well in positive ways and then these people are all coming together and, and those people are speaking to these people and you know we're really, we're, we're not just snowballing awareness but we're also snowballing healing which is what, is, it's what our world needs. So Eric before we get into your personal story about you know why you created this movie and I know that story well but some people may not Let's just touch on what has happened with this movie because 
I think it's just blown all of us away in the most positive way. So, Eric, how many screenings is this? So, you, it's Film Festival Acceptances. I'm getting that right, right? Because I'm not a film, yeah. I'm not a movie person, right? So, it's been accepted all over the world, but not just that. It's been winning awards left, right and centre. So, please tell the listeners what has happened with this movie. Yes, we've been... So far, we've had 24 film festivals film festival acceptances since April of this year, April 2014. And uh, our world premiere was at the Boston LGBT Film Festival, which was my primary goal was to uh, premiere there. And at that venue alone, we won the Audience Choice Award, which was, it was something that was very unexpected and I, I was completely blown away by and was beyond a dream come true for me. To be able to screen in my hometown city and have that be the world premiere and then have it win an award, it was, it was quite amazing. And since then, we, we, uh, we've won several honorable mention awards. We also won the best LGBT project at a film festival called the Real Heart International Film Festival in Toronto. And uh, we've also won two competition awards as well. I think it's at a total of eight awards total. But I will say this, um, even, you know, I've traveled all over the world this year, and I'm still traveling, which is wonderful, but I'm going to say this, the best reward that I've received doing this project and going to these festivals and meeting all kinds of people that have gone through narcissistic abuse is when someone drives about four hours to come and see this film comes up to me afterwards, gives me a gigantic hug, and thanks me for making the film. There is nothing that could be any more magical than that. No reward. Mm -hmm. I could win an Academy Award, and it wouldn't even come close. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, going through something like this personally. You know? And it's just just very cathartic. It, it, It really makes me feel like I took such a a terrible situation that was that really, you know, sliced open a wound inside of me, healed that wound and turned it into something beyond positive for several other people. And like you, Melanie, I I I, I you know, I'm not a narc I'm not a a professional narcissistic abuse recovery expert like you are, but I I mean, I feel like I'm doing that in my own way. Absolutely, and that's, you are. It's just wonderful. I'm so I'm so happy about that. Absolutely, you are. You so are. And I think what is so special and powerful about the movie, Eric, every time I watch it, I just get chills in how authentic it is. And Brioni, who I've met personally, is a wonderful, wonderful man. He's so not a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> He's so not a narcissist, but oh my goodness, the way that he captures it and the way he delivers it, the narcissist, is just so chillingly real. And I think for anybody that's been narcissistically abused, if they watch your movie, they, in other words, it just translates so powerfully the way you put that movie together, Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, 
with Brion playing Rob, which is the, the character that is the narcissist in the story. Now, Brion and I have been friends for a very, very long time. I've known Brion since 2007. And he is a phenomenal actor, as you know. I mean, he is just outstanding. And he's, in real life, he's so full of love. He has so much light in his eyes. Mm. And he literally, in the film... <laughs> he kind of monster. Yeah, he had those eyes. You know, I, I think mm. a lot of, you know, one of the things I've learned from my experiences with narcissists is that if you look into their eyes, there's really not a, there's usually not a, a lot of life in their eyes, even though they're charming and they tell you everything you want to hear and make you feel so this and that and the other thing. Uh, but, you know, they all have empty eyes, and somehow he made his eyes look that way on camera. He and it's totally so, did. it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm, I'm so, I'm so proud of him and, and what he did with a role that is so complete opposite of who he is. I mean, he is nothing like that character at all. I was actually really quite daunted to meet him in LA. I thought, oh, those blue, glassy, scary eyes. <laughs> and, and then when I met him, it was just, yeah, he was just dripping and rolling in love and just had the most beautiful conversations with him. He's, you're right, you're right. Well, I take it off to actors, how they can do that. That is just incredible. It's so incredible. So, Eric, this movie is and it's a short film so just tell everybody how long the film is the film is 17 minutes mm. long seems yeah. longer does it really yeah because it's got <laughs> all that suspense in it i think sort of suspense time for me the movie <laughs> i would have thought it was more like half an hour there you go <laughs> i think that's because you've lived through it you know, and it's like I think I think it's funny because I I can totally understand what you're saying. It's like when you when you've gone through it, and you, you you know every emotional beat of every scene and every moment. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you look at it that way. You know. Totally, totally. So this was your personal story. This is based on your real life story, Eric. So you know, how long ago was your narcissistic experience? It happened a couple of years ago, and you and I talked about this on LA Talk Radio with Sheena Metal. I mean, mine was a very short-lived thing, and you know, you and I both—well, actually, you brought it up that I, you know, that I was a snack, right. which I pretty much rather uh, than the buffet. Yeah, rather than the buffet. Mm. And we said how lucky you were that it was awesome that you were just a snack. Like that is actually such a compliment. <laughs> Not the other yeah. way around. I'm so grateful that I was a snack. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but it happened a but couple years ago. But it's still impactful enough, isn't it? No, even... Lots yeah. of people say to me, I wasn't even really in a relationship. I was just sort of on the side. Why am I... Or, you know, it never really came together properly or it didn't last long. Why am I so devastated? But it is still devastating. Yeah, because... Any, and, you know, it's typical, you know... when these people come into your life at a very vulnerable time and they tell you everything that you've ever wanted to hear and they make you feel beyond special like you're the most amazing and beautiful person in the world and then you're yeah. lifted up you know on top of this cloud like you're like like you feel like you found your soulmate and mm -hmm. and then you know I always describe it as you're 
you're, and then after you're up in the cloud, you're gently dropped in this, I call it a blender. Yeah. And then at first, you know, and then at first you think you're on a fun carnival ride and you're being played with, and then all of a sudden, like, the button gets pressed and you start spinning around, and then you're sliced open like ice cubes and then yeah. tossed out and left with this horrible, empty shell of a feeling where you feel like everything is your fault and that you didn't do enough and that yeah. you weren't good enough. And Correct. You have all these things, and, it's all, and what it all really is is the narcissist's self-projection and, and their uh, manipulative mind games and all the things that they do mm-hmm. to devalue and discard you. Because they don't want to take responsibility or have any empathy for the behavior at all, because no, they don't. Not. Yeah, they don't think they did any. As they don't think they did anything wrong. But as you know, and that's and actually think, so true. They are totally, honestly, that unconscious that they actually can't see it. Yeah, and there's and the, and you can't, you know, you can't do anything to get them to see it. And the more and more you try to do something to get them to see it, the more they think you're crazy. When all you're doing is reacting to their craziness. But what I tell everyone, I say this in every Q&A that I do on the film festival circuit, it's a question and answer segment after a screening, is that you could sit there and go over everything a narcissist said, did, all their psychological abuse, you can go over that and over that and over that and over that until you're dead, literally. And whether that's a short-lived relationship or a full-fledged marriage. But, and you know this as well as I do. Ultimately, it's all about going within, discovering a wound that you probably didn't know was there. And healing that wound. And making, you know, make it all about you. Not, that isn't being a narcissist. That's realizing that... The narcissist is going to go and do the same thing to somebody else, and they may. And then what they'll do is they'll keep they'll keep seeking out someone that they know that they can control, and then they'll probably end up marrying that person. And you know, I'm not even going to go there on that. But like, oh, yeah, and then that person gets to suffer the horrendous yeah. devastation of being a banquet. Yeah, yes. it's like yeah, it wants to be that and. You know, and that's the thing is, it's all about going within and healing your wound. And then once you're done with that, you can look back. And, and, and literally, I'm at a point now when I look back on my situation, and I hardly ever even think about it at this point. Mm. It, it's like entertainment to me. I, I laugh about it. You know, I really I really laugh about all the, the craziness and the, the things that they can't take responsibility for. Yeah. And it's just unbelievable. And it's... And, you know, it was really, really funny. One of the funniest things that's happened to me on this journey with the film is we were in a film festival in San Antonio, Texas, right? And you'll love the story. This is hilarious. And some, I didn't go to this festival because I wasn't available to go. But I got an email from someone on my Facebook page that saw the film there. And they really loved the film. And this person said to me, you know, I love how you made the narcissist dye his chest hair because my ex did the same exact thing. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, going back to entertaining, 
in my own personal situation, my narcissist tied his chest hair. Right. So, okay. Really I know that. I know that. So, yes. The laughter that come that came from that, like it's that's what I'm saying is you look back on this if you go if you are currently mm. going through the post traumatic stress of of a situation with a narcissist. I promise you, if you do the work, you're going to look back and you're going to laugh at stuff like this. And you're going to have moments where you're like, thank God I'm out. You know? Oh, for sure, Eric. Because I love that you say that. I love that you're doing the movie festivals and you're not doing it in the way of banging on as a victim. You know, I love that. I love that. I love everything that you've said. And I really, you, you're so right. When you do do the work and when you have up-leveled your wounds, all of that really serious, horrible, gut-wrenching personalization comes out of it. And you actually see the behavior for that unhinged, childish, ridiculous, ridiculous behavior that it is. Because it's not reality. It's not real life. It's not who we really are. And I think I'm, I'm like you, Eric, now that, you know, even though I do this as a full-time career, this is a global mission and passion I'm doing, like what you're doing, it's, it's really great now to be able to detach from all of that rubbish and observe it and help people with it, but say... You know, that is ridiculous, childish behavior. It's not real. It actually doesn't have any power in it when you don't give it power. And when you heal your stuff and detach, it just, okay, that's your reality. That is not my reality. That's where we end up, and it's such a beautiful place to be. Yes, and you know, it's funny because from, my own, from the romantic narcissist, which to me was an awakening for me, you know, I, I've had, you know, but, but, but there was a, I've had quite a few, not just romantic narcissists, but, but other people that were in my life, whether it be a work situation or a friendship or whatever. And over the, you know, prior to this, this uh, experience that I had with the romantic one, you know, now I know how to handle everything. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's, you know what, no matter where you go in life, you're going to run into these people again. And, you know, None of us are perfect. I am the furthest thing from perfect. I am far from perfect. I don't know. I think you're pretty perfect. Oh, <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Moving right well, along. Thank you, but I am not. I'm the furthest thing from that. But, you know, when these, when these situations arise, I, I don't, it doesn't even bother me anymore. It, I, I just don't. It doesn't affect me because I know how to handle it. And, then and I'm what's before. happened too is like you've you've done the work to take your emotional charge off it because we actually only really get like sucked in and derailed when we've got something within, within us that needs to justify or needs to be understood or needs to be validated or needs to be approved of or needs yeah. to be agreed with. And when we've got enough of all of that solidly going with, on within ourselves, well, then we can absolutely observe somebody that is trying to derail all of that and say, you know, look, I'm really well stocked in here. I'm really solid in here. And you're entitled to your opinion, but hey, it isn't mine. Yeah, and you just, I mean, it's all about just disengaging. Absolutely. You know, it's, being engaged with something like that doesn't, 
is not going to help anything. And you never, no matter if you try to talk to someone like that or, or try, you know, it, it just it's like hitting a brick wall. It's, mm. it's just, it's just. I'd rather focus on the positive and the and the beautiful things of life that I have, you know. And I have I have a lot of people in my life, a family that loves me. I have three really amazing friends, you know, that I can count on one hand. They are my real, you know, my people that I turn to when things get bad. Yeah. And you know. I don't really, I don't need, I don't need, like, you know, I'm getting, right now, Mel, I'm getting a lot of, of wonderful attention for this film, but that isn't why I made this movie. That isn't why I've made any of the movies that I've made. I actually, that that kind of stuff doesn't really do much for me. You know, that I, I think both of my films um, have something to say for those that are out there that have gone through certain situations and inspires them. I know my other film, Freak, did that, and this film is definitely doing that as well. And whatever I, those are the projects that my heart and soul are into, and, and that is why I, uh, I, I tell the stories that I tell. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the, the, having, the, having the, the attention doesn't really do much for me. Uh, or is, is, is uh, it's not why I'm in it. You know mm. what I mean? Well, you're not the normal L.A. personality, that's for sure. You know, and that came across loud and clear when I met uh, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel... I've been here for a long time, and I am I am thinking of relocating. I, I, uh, I, I have a feature film called Twin Flames that you know about. It's a script right now, and it just won an award. The script won an award at a film festival at NARS just just screened at called the Action on Film International Film Festival. And Narcissus was nominated for an award there. We did not win, but we were nominated. But my feature-length screenplay won uh, Best Runner-Up for Best Social uh, Awareness Project, which is, which is really, really cool. And that, when I'm, you know, right now... Yeah, and raising like, awareness. It, uh, yeah, it, raising awareness, co-creating healing. It's well, it's perfect stuff, isn't it? It's and it's really about stuff where you're saying, this isn't. You know, my life's not just about me. It's actually about something collective. It's about something greater than me. It's a purpose more than me. And I, I think that's where we get. That's where we get our life force. That's where we get our mission and our drive because it is so much greater than just us yes it is and you know you you do that with NARP you know what I'm saying you've taken your own your own personal experiences with two narcissists and you know I know the full stories of both of them and you turned it into something that has helped people worldwide which is huge It's, it's helped me it's helped Lot, I mean, I refer you to people all the time, you know, um, and I, I refer people to you all the time. And, you know, with, with what I create, you know, with my first project, it was, it was about an individual that was just, so, you know, didn't know where to find their place in the world and was bullied and ridiculed for it and overcoming those obstacles in an adult life and was bullied their entire life. And I felt that way for a long time in my life and I turned to fil- I made a film about that and that film inspired a lot of people and then the irony is Mel narcissists are a lot like bullies and I totally as are. you know I reattracted a very clever bully into my life and I took all of that and turned it into something to 
to help others as well. Mm-hmm. And my other, my next project is a combination of a lot of different things like that. And, uh, you know, it's like the purpose that you have with narcissistic abuse is, I feel like is the purpose I have as an artist. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm in it for different reasons than a lot of people are in it for. And I'm not putting, you know, other people that do it for the other reasons, I'm not putting them down. It's just that I, sometimes I don't know how to relate because I'm in it for a different reason. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It really does. You know, speaking about that bully thing, Eric, I think that's just such an important point that for all of us that have been narcissistically abused, so much of the gift in this has been really learning to be authentic and learning to speak up and learning to and not in that combative way that we used to hook in and try to get you know validated or approved of or understood or you know all of those sorts of things when we were operating within the container of our young unhealed wounds but when we're maturing out of those wounds that we can say you know I do have rights and I do have a voice and I can be honest and I can speak up and I can I can look after me. I can be the real me in the world. And I think that is just such a really powerful awakening that we have where we're actually not here to make everybody happy. We're not here to try to fit in with everything and everyone. We're actually not here to try and make everybody else approve of us in order to feel worthy. We're actually here to be ourselves. Yes, and I, you know, in my own personal journey of life, I struggled with that for a very long time. Um, And I'm at a point now where I'm not the kind of person fitting in and doing what everybody else is doing has never really been my thing. Uh, I, I don't engage in that behavior like I I, want to do what I feel is right and within my soul if something doesn't feel comfortable in my in my spirit and in my soul I know it's not right and that is something that I got you know during my healing process from the narcissistic abuse was that was something that I had to really go within and discover is you know it's like the people pleasing syndrome. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm all about helping people, but there's a limit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's, it's, it's healthy to set a boundary, and that's loving yourself. And you have to do that. And some people get mad when because they're not used to you being that way when you say no in a very authentic way, or that you're unavailable because you're dealing with other things. Yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, that's life. Mm-hmm. You know, and like if someone's giving you a hard time about that then you know it kind of says a lot about what about that relationship and um you know and that's something that I'm really good at now it's like well I'm a very giving person and I wear my heart in my sleeve and I'm very honest uh but you know in life you have to know where to put boundaries up and sometimes when you put a boundary up people don't like it and that isn't your problem it's not something that you should endure Exactly. And I think the more the anchored we get into it and the more like authentic and safe we feel within ourselves too, what we really understand is that it actually up-levels so many people's respect and love for us because we're respecting and loving ourselves. And that starts getting reflected back. That's been just an enormous thing for me, you know, on my journey, especially second time around was 
especially with really close personal relationships in my life, just really being dedicated to up-leveling them into authentic relationships, which meant speaking up and being really honest. You know, not from certainly not from a childish, young, you know, disjointed place, from just from a very real, true place with the ultimate goal of creating greater connection and greater truth. And the results have just been amazing. I, I love that because I think for me, narcissistic abuse for me, if I could put it in a nutshell, and there's a thousand nutshells, but probably the biggest thing for me was that I wasn't being real to those gut feelings that you were talking about, to that, you know, it's like, oh, something isn't right, but, you know, I don't want to upset him or I don't want him to lose faith in me or I don't want him to leave me or I don't yep. want him to hurt me. So you make, you make excuses up to please yeah. someone else. And I, I did that. I mean, when I had my experience... My, I'll never forget it. My New Year's was ruined. My Valentine's Day was ruined, and my 40th birthday was ruined. Mm. Uh, and I kept making excuses. And um, you know, and the thing is, I think when you're when you're in the beginning of something or during it, you see all the red flags, but you make excuses for those red flags because, you know, let's face it, we all want to be loved. But you know, the thing is. We all want to be loved, and that's a beautiful thing. But the self-love you have for yourself has to be developed. And I'll never forget a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine who I love very, very, very much, one of the wisest people I know, said to me, you know, he, he was the first person that said to me, you were abused by someone that has narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, and I looked at him and I said, What? You know, that's a little, I said, that's a little harsh, you know, again, making excuses. And he said to me, Eric, trust me, go online and Google narcissistic personality disorder and you're going to find everything that you went through. And like everybody else, I did, and that's where I found you. Uh, you know, I saw everything that I went through and I almost fell out of my chair. Mm -hmm. And even though it was only a few months long, it still affected me. And, you know, it took me about, for something that was lasted a few months, it took me about maybe six months to really be back to myself. Um, but it is an out-of-this-world healing process. And what's really, what I find to be, to this day, one of the most fascinating things about it all is just how many people out there have gone through the same thing and how it's like this, I don't know, I want to use the word phenomenon because it is, it's, it is it's so phenomenon. out there. You know, it's mm. just, it's, it's something that needs to be taken much more seriously mm. and by people like you and other healers that, that deal with this and hopefully myself with this film and everything I've been doing with it, that this kind of stuff will continue because, you know, there are people, I mean, I met someone a couple of weeks ago, you know, everything happens for a reason at a nightclub and we became friends and his partner of five and a half years uh, really did a number on him and he was telling me everything and I knew right away 
that it was a narcissist, I knew just by the first five minutes of the conversation. And I immediately directed him to you. And he ordered, I think he did order NARP, actually. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. Another, another thing that's come up with this film, and I really want to discuss this, I think this is really important. Yeah, great. Uh, is a while ago, before the film was released, when the trailer first came out, and the trailer got a lot of hits really quick online, a lot of views. Someone uh, wrote to me saying, uh, you know, this story would have, I, you know, I'm really interested in seeing this film. I really wish that you would have told it between a man and a woman. Now, the thing is, one of the reasons why I wanted to make this project is because narcissistic abuse happens between a man and a woman a man and a man, Absolutely. a woman and a woman, mm. uh, all kinds of life. It happens between any human being. Absolutely. And I have lots of people in the NARP community and working the program that are gay. Yeah. And the dynamic and, and the play out is identical. It's the same thing. Mm. And that, that was so important because it, it's, it's not just between a man and a woman this happens, and it's not just men that do it. And um, the, funny th the funny thing is, um, you know, I, I, had, I got an email from uh, a lesbian in Florida about this film, and she's dying to see it, and she was telling me about her ex-girlfriend, and it's the same thing. And even, even in a heterosexual setting, uh, women can be narcissistic as well as men. And I just think it's just a human thing. It's not. It's not a man or a woman. I mean, you know, that's that's my. That was one of the reasons why I told the story the way I did. And on top of that, in the film itself, which has screened in heterosexual film festivals and LGBT film festivals, there isn't a thing about it that even mentions the characters being gay. There just it just happens to be between two men. Yes. You know, I, I I did that on purpose because. You know, it's a universal topic. You know what I'm saying? So, I agree. I totally agree. And it is a universal human topic because it is the condition of someone who has disconnected from a true self and their connection to source and who is operating from an egoic false self and mal maladapting through that false self. And the behavior is identical, whether it's a parent a sister, a brother, a lover, a, it's, it's all identical. Yes, it is. It is. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a soul condition. It, it is a soul, inner, emotional intelligence, soul condition. What really scares me about it, actually doesn't scare me about it, but really baffles me is how there's really not much you can do um, you know, if if someone with narcissistic personality disorder or a sociopath or, or a combination of both, yeah. you know, they don't think they need any help. And they think there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with them. And they won't seek counseling. And if they do, it's usually very brief. And, and you really know, they will actually... Go within. Yeah, and, and look, it's such a problem with the counseling setup can often be that it's done on a cognitive level, it's done on a head level, 
narcissists are brilliant actors. And the truth is, they actually believe their own PR. They're so unconscious that their brain wiring has been so set to a maladaptation to avoid accountability and to project their inner disowned wounds onto their environment that they actually believe their lies. Like it's a twisted reality that's very, very real to them. So they can be very, very persuasive. And they can be really batting in counselling to demean and to hold the other person accountable but they don't actually understand. They're actually trying to make that person accountable for who they are. But to them, it's projected outside of them and it's very real. So it's just, it, it is an excruciating tussle when you're in a relationship with somebody with narcissistic personality disorder and you're trying to hang in there. Naturally, your own wounds are really screaming and playing out, which means that there's a young unconscious part of you trying to or wanting to hold this person accountable to being the parent um, metaphor, the parent archetype that's going to heal your wounds. So you want them to get better. You want the relationship to heal and go back to the illusion of flourishing that you thought it was or if a parent the way it should be because they're a parent and they should know better and and that really holds you in the game of of wanting to help them or even feeling responsible for them or doing everything and anything you can to, to hang in there but you're so right Eric there is no there's no happy ending there's no hope there's no this person is too unconscious they're too far gone they're living in a warped reality that doesn't even fit a humanity reality yeah it's a hundred i mean that's that that's the hammer hitting the nail right into the right into the ground you know it's it's just um there's nothing you know with people like you and me and i you know I think a lot of victims of narcissistic abuse are very kind souls that love to help other people. And I think narcissists prey on people like that. Absolutely. You know, they really go after people like that because they know that for at least for a while that they can have control of that and manipulate that and and do the things, do the psychological abuse that comes into it. And I think one of the things that narcissists when they go through the devalue and discard phase, in my opinion, is when the victim can see right through them. When they, when they, when the victim, when when the narcissist yeah. knows that the victim knows what they are, they cannot handle it, and that is why they behave the way they do, and that's why they become so abusive and so hurtful, mm. and and um. And then they want you to be the crazy one while they go and do whatever it is that they do. Uh, and I, you know, I had an old friend of mine that I recently connected with was in a really, really toxic relationship, and um, I never really heard the fallout of the relationship. But basically, this person had a major history of cheating on this person, and did the same thing again years later. And then uh, the, my friend knew about it, but didn't want to say anything about it because my friend had no place to go at the time. And then was planning this, their exit strategy from the situation. 
Well, the narcissist in the situation caught on to this person, you know, doing their thing, and and then this person basically said, you know, I'm going to be moving out. I know what you've been doing all along, and had complete and total proof that this person was cheating and doing all the things that they were doing. And this is what I thought was hilarious because I never knew this. This person, the narcissist, immediately ran to the kitchen, grabbed a knife, threatened to kill themselves. Yeah. Again, making it all about them. Yeah. So and my friends, like my friends, like you're not gonna kill yourself. We all know that, you know. And then Fantastic. turned all their friends against my friend and yeah. made that friend sound crazy. And then my friend eventually um, got up and left and recreated a fabulous life, you know. But it's just, it's just, it's so. I'm so glad mine, mine had a taste of that, but nothing like that. You know, and um, I remember in my own personal situation, um, one of the one of the biggest red flags for anybody out there that's getting involved with someone, and, and I really want you to be careful when you get involved with someone that's recently out of a relationship. Oh yeah, yeah, you got to be careful of that's a huge red flag. I agree. If you're dating someone that's just out of a relationship, and they're coming on immensely strong. And telling you everything you want to hear right away, you got to be careful and listen to how they're talking about their ex. Because, yes, there's two sides to every story, but if they're making the ex sound like they're the crazy one, it's generally the narcissist's self projection that they're really talking about. And that's something that I learned about my own personal situation when I heard about you know, how this person was speaking of their ex-partner of 18 years. Uh, it really wasn't the ex-partner. It was basically him that was crazy. You know what I'm saying? And that and that is a, that's a huge one. So anybody that's out there that's listening, you know, really pay attention to how, if you're getting involved with someone, you think that they might be a narcissist, listen to how they're talking about their ex. It's a huge red flag. Huge. Absolutely, and perfect tip, Eric. I totally agree with the people that just go from relationship to relationship to relationship. Now that that is, I'm not saying it's just narcissists that do it. Codependents can do it as well, but it is an absolute trademark of narcissists because they can't they can't be alone no. uh, because they need, as you know, the form of supply or that no. other person. Because they're too afraid, in my opinion, to go within. And they need that other distraction or that other person to distract them from spending a moment alone with themselves. Absolutely. Um, People are self-medication. They're drugs. Yeah. But in my opinion, a narcissist's biggest fear is being alone. They don't know how to be alone. Totally. And that's one of the things... I had in the film. I was going to say the end of the film was so powerful. When you yeah. am I allowed to say? <laughs> uh, let's keep that a secret. All right, let's. Okay, uh, we'll but, just but, say that it is just done so well. But what we Freon does that so well. That bit. Oh yeah, he's amazing. Mm. But, but what we can talk about in that in that in that subject line of how they how they can't be alone is in the in the you know in the opening scene of the film we see Evan who's played by Hunter Lee Hughes. Uh, we see his character. You know, he's a writer, and you see we see him in silence 
and totally okay with silence. He's totally content with just sitting in front of his computer and writing, and he's happy, and he's, and he's got something that he loves to do. And then when you see Rob's character, Rob, at Brion Davis's character, who's the narcissist in the story, sitting at home by himself, he can't, he can't sit still. He has to reach for a glass of wine. He has to reach for pictures. He has to reach for the external, the phone, okay. until, you know, it's like, it's like you, and that's what I like about this film is that you see uh, the victim of narcissistic abuse and how they handle silence and how the narcissist handles silence because the narcissist cannot handle silence. And I think a lot of narcissists go from relationship to relationship and, and why they are constantly uh, seeking out someone is because they don't know how to be alone. And their biggest fear is being alone. And even, and the thing is, what I realized, and I know that a lot of you might feel this way, is that, you know, your, your, your husband or your wife may have left you and went into this other relationship right away. It's because they can't be alone. And you know what I know the scary thing for them is? Even with that other person, they're really alone. Absolutely. You know? And I think in a way for myself, when I had my little thing, uh, you, you know, mine, I, I guess, was while stringing me along and God knows who else, you know, got involved, I guess, got involved with someone that was already in a relationship with somebody else and was waiting for that relationship to fall apart for his own favor. I was devastated. I didn't think, I was like, my God, like, everything that was said and, and presented to me, did you mean any of it? And it, like... Was I just a game? And it's just, you know, it, it's just, um, you know, it was a very frustrating, it was a very hurtful thing. And, um, and then I, you know, I realized that, and then I, when I was healing, I realized, like, it doesn't even matter whether or not the person that discarded you runs into this relationship with somebody else. It doesn't matter because unless they really go within and work on themselves, which they're too, in my opinion, they're too afraid to, uh, it doesn't matter who they're with. Yeah, my opinion too, 100%. Because the thing is, the inner wounds are so disowned and they're so horrific. It's a self-annihilating inner ego. And that's what happens when you decide to live life as a false self and kill off your inner self. It's like a possession. And to be with that and face that and and actually be with it is the most terrifying Thing for a narcissist it's actually the terror of every addict is being alone with my inner wounds believing that I'm not going to be able to deal with them that's what all addictions are born from for codependence and narcissists and narcissists the deal is that they are so unconscious unless it's in a time of narcissistic injury which is a very small window that they will actually get that and go, okay, well, if I do want to evolve and I do want to be well, I've got to face these inner wounds. That's something the narcissist is unprepared to do. So it is, it's hoovering. And I wrote an article on that last week and it was funny because as I was writing that article, I was remembering that scene out of um, your movie and, and <laughs> Brione, you know, all that frantic who can I contact, who can I, you know, because when I wrote in the article I was talking about, um, you know, when there's that time of that inner emptiness and that despair and that 
frenetic self-avoiding, that's when the text messages come, that's when, you know, they're trying to get hookups or attention or anything off anybody that's fair game. It's like how crocodiles store bits of meat under rocks you know, if sources fall low so they can go down and have a have a snack, have a have a meal. Yeah, and I think I think for the victim, one of the hardest things to, to face is to accept that none of it was real. Yeah. You know? And that Very is true. like that's like it's such a hard thing to really have to accept is that none of it was real and that the moments that you're holding on to that you're mm. hoping are going to return are not going to because none of them are real. And and that that was the hardest part for me in my own personal thing. And then, you know, and then I, you know, when I when I finally realized what I dealt with, I was I was so I feel like I just broke free from anything that I was holding on to uh, even outside of that situation. You know what I'm saying? And that's, again, that is going within and dealing with your own wound that you have to deal with because that's, I mean, that's what it really is, in my opinion. Uh, but knowing the opposite side of the spectrum of the narcissist and, and what what that's all about is so important. And to know that when you when you do break through the post-traumatic stress and go from survivor to thriver, uh, it's such such a magical transformation. I mean, it's just so magical, and I, I'm I'm so happy. I look back now, and I can honestly say, I am so grateful that I had my experience as painful as it was years ago, because it has made me the man that I am today. And I think for you, Mal, it has definitely made you the woman that you are today. Oh uh, I think Absolutely. of all the. You know, you've done so many wonderful things and it's just wonderful. And I think on our personal level, you know, I, I just love the model of evolving and growing and, and expanding. I love that model, which to me is to constantly be in self-reflection and constantly to say, okay, well, what is it about me that's creating this block here or this reaction here or this roadblock here or or I'm not quite where I would love to be, or whatever it is, and really, you know, taking the power on an inner level and saying, okay, well, what is it about me that I can shift and change in order to change my world? And I never would have had that that realisation, for goodness sake, I was doing world from the outside in, not the inside out. I would never have been able to have that sort of insight or capacity if it wasn't for being narcissistically abused. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is, I think you go from, you know, whether you're, you know, whether someone's considered to have narcissistic personality disorder or just a general human being, uh, the external world, and what, what you need from that external world, and, you know, reaching for the external versus just, doing the complete opposite, you know what I mean? And and being totally content with not needing external things. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I've, I've, yeah. that was a revelation for myself. It's you know? huge, isn't it? And then the irony is, and it's not a model of going without, it's actually a model of generating life and experience 
experiences and manifestations through you. So rather than being at the effect of life, you're more of the cause of life. But your inner identity is in such a way of self-value and self-love and self-acceptance that it's not reliant on conditions to be that way. You're actually generating more of those conditions from a space of inner love and contentment and self-value and self-worth. And I think for myself, and I know a lot of people in this community, it wasn't until we really took on you know, this inner journey that we could look back and say, oh my goodness, I actually realised how deficient those levels were in my life and that was my normal. And I was actually surviving in life instead of flourishing because my values of myself were so low. But I didn't know that. Yeah, and I, you know, in my own personal journey in life, like, you know, being gay, you come from a place, at least I did, where I came from a small suburb where I was, you know, different. If you were even remotely different in the suburb that I grew up in, you were completely ridiculed. You know, and that has nothing to do with being gay. But being gay was kind of at the bottom of the barrel back in the 80s. Well, and I, I bet. Yeah, and I wasn't out then. Uh, but, you know, it was obvious that I was gay. And, you know when you finally come out of the closet, you're, you're kind of like an orange. You're constantly coming out every day, mm. even now. Even at 42 years of age, it's, it's still an everyday thing. And I'm totally, as you know, I'm very, very comfortable. With, and with, I love that you're so authentic. I love that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But, I mean, like, I, I had a period in my life in my 20s after my first partner and I broke up, and I'm still very, very good friends with him. I'm still very good friends with both my primary relationship exes. Uh, but, um, you know, there was a period when I, I, I felt like I had to be a certain way, you know, and I would go to the gym and to look a certain way and, mm. and to get that validation of wanting to be loved. And then on the oh, opposite... the same. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the 80s yeah. was a lot about that. Really? I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't it? I don't know yeah. if anybody out there relates, but I remember being in the 80s and life was all about that for some reason. Well, you know, it's, it's still, you know, it's it's still like that, you know, especially in a city like Los Angeles. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, a lot a lot of it is external and what you look like. And, and then I just got to, you know, I, I would go to the gym and literally kill myself to get the attention of, you know, certain someone or whatever. And then I realized, like, I don't, I'm comfortable with the way I am. I don't need to go to the gym two hours a day to look a certain way to, to please someone that's never going to care about me anyway. You know, and, like, I don't, I don't even want that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was such a, you know, and that's a, that's a thing I think happens a lot, whether you're gay or straight, is you, you think, oh, if I look this way and I, 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 can, I can attract this person and it's all going to be great. Um, and you know, it's just it's just not even to me, it's not even worth it to put yourself through something like that. And if if you're validating yourself based on that alone, you know, it, there's really not a lot going on. No. And isn't there evidence everywhere? We know the most gorgeous, beautiful movie stars in the world may not ha- be loved. 
You know, it's really, really, what really upset me recently is the loss of Robin Williams. Oh, um, wasn't that big? That is just really, mm. really, really was just really tough. You know, to he was such a great artist. He was so talented, and it's just you just think, you think that someone that makes it to his level would be would have been totally happy, and look at what happened. Yeah. You know, and it's just, you know, there's a lot of other things attached to that, but, and I, I never knew the man personally, but you just never know where yeah. someone's coming from. No, you don't. And it's, and again, that's just so much proof, isn't it? That the external accomplishment is never any substitute for the inner partnering and the inner peace. Yeah, and, and the thing is, and that's that. I'm really glad that I'm at a point where, again, I'm not trying to be anything huge with my with my artistic journey in life. Um, I just want to have something to say that that inspires others and helps others, and I, and I want it to get as far as it can get. Um, you know, that that's all I'm really doing. I really don't have much more with my work than that. Um, and in a way, in a way, it doesn't. In a way, I wish that I wanted more. I wish that, you know, I, I feel like sometimes it holds me back. But it's. But I know that I'm doing it from my heart, and that's where I want to do it. Is from there. I don't, I don't want to do it for any other reason but that, um, because it doesn't. I, I find some of the people that do it for the other reasons to not be happy, and I'm happy. And I just think that's, you know, ha- overall happiness isn't about winning the Academy Award and going to this red carpet event and being at this party with the A-list. That isn't happiness to me. That's, that can be very stressful. I'd rather just make a film and make, make people hopefully inspire them and, and, and encourage them in a, in a tough situation. I would much rather do that. And I feel like I've done that with narcissists, definitely. And again, it's it's the same thing that I feel like you're doing with your work as well. Mm. Absolutely, you're doing that, and you are doing it from the heart, and it is having results, which are pretty spectacular. And who knows where that is going to lead to, Eric? Because I really think what's happening now, mm. I think the whole narcissist consciousness thing is really on the leading edge of what's going on in our world and the shift that our world needs and the awakening that our world needs, not just about narcissists, but also about ourselves and what we need to up-level and what we all need to heal and awaken to. And I really think, you know, for me, narcissism is a massive vehicle of that. It's it's right on the leading edge of a consciousness shift that our planet desperately needs. And I, I think that this mission you are doing is bigger than you know. Yeah, and, and, and I, it's funny that you say that because I, I'm, I think I'm just starting to realize that now. And, um, you know, I'm just starting to realize what this story I always I knew the reasoning for wanting to make this film from the very beginning 
and I knew I wanted, I wanted it to inspire others and help others. And I knew for myself on a personal level, it was going to be a very cathartic and healing process. And it was, and I'd be more than happy to talk about that too. Uh, but uh, you know, with the subject of it and the community that I've discovered through your world and the internet world and everything else and all the people that are going through this and, and, and seeing that, that something has to, to shift mm-hmm. on, this, on this earth. It just, I think it, we're riding that shift. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm part of that. I don't quite know where I'm going with it yet. Like, I think you know where you're going with it, which I think is wonderful. I, I don't know where I'm going to land yet, but I know when I land, it's going to be someplace pretty spectacular. And I, I have, like, a lot of ideas. Um, I have a book idea. Um, that I'm thinking about doing. And I also have uh, a documentary idea uh, covering this subject as well. Um, as I have like three, you know, I have those two ideas that are just sort of toying in my mind. Then I have my feature screenplay, which is another thing. But, you know, it's just, I, I need to, I, I know eventually something's going to like shift and, and, um, and change. Mm. And I, I feel a huge change with myself which is beautiful like I, I just I just feel over the past two years I am I am a complete I have grown I'm still the same person but I have grown so much I mean just it's just unbelievable the growth that has come from this situation you and, know and yeah and that's it that's what the consciousness shift is all about is about up leveling shadows into light and that's why this whole, I think, because narcissism has been around forever. There's no doubt about that. We've only got to look at our planet and what's been going on it for centuries. Narcissism yep. has been around for a very, very, very long time where you've had the power of ego reigning this planet. And now we're in a time where so many of the hidden shadows are coming to light. They're coming up to the surface. They're being exposed. They're being known. There are so... I mean, look at our internet now. Look at the information resources we have now. Look at how much truth is coming out now. And I think the wonderful thing about the world is that we're all starting to say, or so many people are, it's not just what my doctor tells me. It's not what I see on Channel 7 or 9 News anymore. That's Australian channels, by the way. And it's not just what I read in the newspaper that I'm just going to swallow and believe anymore. And I'm not going to just believe that if I take a certain pill that that's going to actually stop my symptoms or fix me. You know, we're we're looking at life at a much broader, deeper perspective now. We want the truth now. Yeah. And I think think a lot of the truth scares a lot of people and you generally in my opinion anyway usually narcissists can't handle the truth as you know Mm. um and i think what i think there is i think we're at the beginning of that table starting to turn because the truth needs to be how to live is through truth and honest love absolutely and you know, unfortunately, in our world, especially right now, it almost seems at times that the opposite is what 
seems to, I don't want to say the word conquer, but rule. Yeah. And what needs to happen is there needs to be a shift. There needs to be an awareness and an opening that the opposite is what really is the way to go. Uh, and I think for for decades that has been the problem with this entire planet is that there have been rulers that are generally narcissistic that get away with horrible things. But, you know, look at the results of those rulers. Look at what ends up happening to them in the end. Oh, for sure. And narcissism is a self-annihilating condition. There is no, there is absolutely no doubt about that. And that's what the ego is. The ego is a cancer. And what it actually does is destroy the environment and then it destroys the host. And that's exactly what the narcissistic condition is doing to people that are deeply unconscious and infected with narcissism. And I say infected because it actually really is a human virus. That's how serious it is. I agree with you. I totally think it is. Mm. And, you know, but the thing is, for the people that have that are going through that post-traumatic stress is that the, the good news is when you come out the other side of it, you're going to be someone that you never thought you could be. Oh, and I think, so true. I think like knowing that now and everything that I've accomplished with this film and the process of making this film, it was a very difficult film make it was very yeah, let's very talk about that let's talk because yeah that's pretty confronting isn't it diving straight into and I know that from my work too you know diving straight into the middle of something that you know you'd prefer just to put in a trash can and send it down the road really in a lot of ways yeah, well, you know, when I looking back on it now, and it's interesting to talk about the healing process um, of coming out of a situation with a narcissist, is, you know, when I first wrote the script, the very first draft of Narcissist was written on a day that I had the worst day of my life. I, w- I was up to buy a condo, and it fell apart, and I was really upset and really angry and then all the stuff with the narcissist was like going on in my system for a while and I took my laptop and I went and I wrote the first draft in four hours because the script's ten pages long and the first draft was very angry vengeful Mm, how interesting all the emotions that you first have in the beginning. And, and, you know, and the thing is, it's very normal. Anybody that's out there that's at the beginning of this, it's very normal to feel those emotions of anger, revenge, totally normal. Okay? But you, but you, will, you will pass that threshold. You will, and you have to. And, um, and then, you know, I remember, I'll never forget, I came home, and I was, and this is a very interesting story, I came home and I was reading the script in my apartment and it was kind of like, ha, 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 you know, I was in that, I was in that mode and um, I had a candle lit in my apartment and I always kept a candle lit to bring the light back into my life, which is one of the things that's in the film, as you know, mm-hmm. and the candle exploded. 
Whoa. Yeah. Like, as I'm finishing the first draft of the script, like, proofreading it. And then I immediately lit a candle. I, I just heard the screws crash in the other room. I ran into the kitchen. I saw the candle explode. I lit another one right away. And then I went back and I cleaned up the glass. And and I realized, I'm like, you know, I need to take a step back from the script and return to it in a couple of weeks. And over time, the script evolved from, from again, starting in a very anger and vengeful place to what it, to a story that I knew would inspire others. So the shift came in then, you know, mm. where I'm like, okay, this story needs to, it needs to be this. It needs to show the narcissist like this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm so glad you did. I'm so, because that's my big bugbear and the beef that I have a lot is that there's some people out there with really big followings that are just really doing the vengeful, angry, victimizing, and they're not doing that key word that you just described, inspire. Yeah, you have to, you know, I I did not want to make, when I first wrote the script, it was more just a therapeutic exercise for myself. I never thought that it would become a movie. I never thought that I would actually make the film, to be honest with you. It was just my way of, like, getting it out. Because I remember after my whole thing happened, I, I wrote a letter to the person and I burned it. You know, I did that whole thing. And, yeah. um, and I, just, I just didn't feel the, the peace that I, was, that I was searching for at that point in my life. And then I put the script down, and then I kept revising it and revising it. And then I talked to uh, a friend of mine, Stephen Tyler O'Connor, who is my producing partner on the film, because I co-produced it. I, I wrote, directed, and co-produced. I, I wrote, directed, and I also had uh, a co-producer that I worked with. So um, he's like, you, have, you know, this is a really good story. You should think about making it. And then it turned out that that's what happened. That's how it all came into fruition. And during, um, you know, while getting ready for production, you know, it's a, it was a low production. We re- we did a campaign, and I, I wrote a campaign video myself, and I, I, I had myself, my lead actor, Hunter Lee Hughes, one of my lead actors, and um, and uh, Steven Tyler O'Connor, the person that, would help, that helped me produce it. We all talked about narcissistic personality disorder in a very simple but yet effective way on video, and then that that was our campaign, and we ended up surpassing the goal of money that we wanted to raise. And yeah, a lot it was so meant to be. It just was. Uh, it was incredible. And, and it had like, a life of its own. It took on a life of its own, and eighty percent of the financing came from individuals that were uh, in situations with um, people with narcissistic personality disorder. Mm. And then um, you know. The prep, I did so much prep work for this, and it was, it, was, it was a very overwhelming process for me, but I got through it. But during the filming, one of my favorite memories of filming the, the project was I was on a close-up of, of Hunter Lee Hughes, who plays Evan, who I guess is the character you could say loosely rep- resembles me, uh, even though it's really not me. And, um, you know, there was a tight close-up of him in, in, uh, in a sequence between him and Rob. And all I'm going to say is that it involves the candle. I don't want to give it away. But on his close-up, 
and I, I was I remember you know it's very tight on his eye on, on the actor's eyes and their face. I just remember seeing. Uh, I like how Hunter brought the vulnerability and the hope and the desperation. Oh, he did. And, and the fear. And I just remember in that moment, while directing this movie, looking through the monitor, I remember in that moment I was remembering how that felt. And kudos to Hunter because he did such a beautiful job. And it's like I, I just that was a very cathartic moment for me to see that and then I just shook it off and then I, I had to keep moving because I had a lot of shots I had to get but it was very cathartic to, to, to sort of I didn't while filming it I didn't miss the person I didn't even think of him at all in that way it was nothing like that but it was just interesting to be out of that situation about I don't know maybe a year later and to be taking on the story and reliving it and then in the edit room, editing the film, you know, I, I edited about 80% of the film myself. And then I hired an editor to help me. And then I ended up recutting what we edited. And then I brought it back to him and he tightened it. But like in that, in the edit room, just watching the film over and over and over again, it was very cathartic as well. And then when I knew I had the right cut of the movie, I, which I discovered, I, I had a dream one night. There, I, I cut the first... The first cut of the film was too long, and it all worked. It all it sounded good. It looked good. The acting was good. You know, it, it had all the continuity was there, but I just knew what I was trying to say wasn't clear enough, in my opinion. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And then I, I didn't sleep that whole night, and then I, I think I didn't sleep for like two days, and then I finally fell asleep, and, and then the answer came to me in a dream. Wow. And then, I woke up, got to my computer, and I just recut the whole film. And, and then I, everything that I wanted to say came together. And then I brought it back to my editor, and he was like, you recut the movie? And I, and I said, yes, I still have the old version, though. And, he, and I showed it to him, and he loved it. He's like, this is great. And wow. I think, I think as, as the director and the creator of this project and the writer, having not the knowledge and the emotion and the 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 feeling of knowing what it's like is what brought the film to where it is, you know? Um, and even still now, even with the, even with when I send the film out and when I market the film and when I go to film festivals, I'm, I, I, I'm speaking from my heart, you know, I'm speaking from that, that authentic place. And I, and I, I, I hope, and I think I am doing this, that it's, that it's inspiring others. I know how much it's inspiring others. You know, I hear about that. And I think it's very, very powerful. And I think what is going to be wonderful one day is somebody's going to do a feature movie. But this is what I find so funny. That nearly in every movie and in every child's movie, there's already a narcissist. Oh, yeah. Look at Frozen, for example. Oh, yeah. But, but to have a, a, a feature movie called The Narcissist that could be worldwide, that could be absolutely massive, that is saying, okay, well, let's just show this to the world. So you're doing that. You know, you're doing that with your movie. Yeah, it's it's been, you know, it's it's screened, it's been in Canada, it's been in the United States, it's been in Greece. It's going it's actually going to Greece again on September 23rd 
uh, Thessaloniki. I mean, it's been... Oh, I uh, want your life. Can we yeah. put live? <laughs> I'm hoping that it comes to Australia. So well, I know, we're, we're, we've discussed that. That's definitely on the bucket manifestation list. Yes, yes. That has to happen. That it will happen. happen. I've already locked yeah. that one in. Good, good. Mm. Keep saying that. I will, <laughs> I will. And I think, you know, I think you need a hand in Greece. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I just, do. you know, my bag's packed. How does that sound? <laughs> well, actually, I I'm know. going to Thailand in a few weeks, and I said to you, there should be some film festival opportunity there, but there's not. Otherwise, we could have got together again. I know. I had so much fun when you were here. It was just so... It was so funny because, you know, we've been in con- we were in contact for about a year and mm. I'll never forget when I pulled up to the hotel to pick you up to go to LA Talk Radio and you jumped in the car. We both screamed. I'm like, ah! Like, I was so happy to finally meet you. And it just, I just felt just so at home, you know. It was just such a great time when you were here and I just wish you were still here sometimes. I think you need to come back. Oh, I'll be <laughs> back. I'll be back. Don't worry about yeah. that. It's definitely yeah. going to happen. Wherever you will be, we will run into each other. I know that. That's definitely going to happen. Well, Eric, oh gosh, we could talk all day. This is so cool. I know. I love this. I love that we've caught up and I love that we're going to be doing another Sheena Metal Radio soon. You guys have been talking about that, so I'd love to do that again with you guys. Yes, yes. We. I was on the air with her last week and, and we were talking like, I think we need to get Mel in the air again so we're definitely going to plan that um, with you calling in from Australia absolutely beautiful I love to do that well thank you Eric and it's just so wonderful and we're going to put I'm definitely going to put up your details on the blog so that people can find you find where the movie is screening and maybe you listening out there can be one of those people that get to meet Eric in person and give him a hug and I have to tell you he does a class hugs I love hugging loved ones (laughs) he does the best hugs I have to tell you it is worth traveling 400 miles for one of his hugs oh thank you thank you you as well my dear you hug really well as well yeah, beautiful. Well, Eric, thank you so much for your time, my love, and we'll be talking soon. And just, yeah, it's been just such a special gift having you on to talk to everybody. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Well, everyone, I hope that you really enjoyed that conversation with Eric. He's just such a great guy. He's doing such lovely, great things in the world. And isn't it really exciting that we're going to be able to, and we are, we're bringing these shadows into the light, we're helping our world wake up, and we're all being able to wake up and heal and create much more authentic, true, and magnificent lives for ourselves and for our loved ones. So that's it for me, everybody, and you'll see the details of this show on the blog and also, too, for those people that want to know more about the NARP program, which is the work that I do in the world with recovery from narcissistic abuse, you can see on my 
blog that there is a free webinar coming up which is going to be this Friday which will be the day after this show goes out. So by all means if you haven't experienced uh, my healing method yet please sign up for that free webinar and you'll get to do a healing session with me live. So that's it for me everybody. Until next week, lots of love. Bye-bye.